sit down and buckle up. It's time for Track Talk with Bryce Sparling and Matt Ridgeway. Lights out and away we go with another fantastic edition of Track Talk by TM5. I am Bryce Sparling. As always, I am joined by my co-driver, Mr. Matt Ridgway. Matt, how are you doing tonight, man? I'm good. I'm tired. I'm ready to go to bed, but I'm ready to do this first. Dude, you are having a fantastic season, man. And uh, real quick side note, you can continue your fantastic season this year. Your bolts are going to start the defense of Lordo uh, tomorrow night, right, I believe? Yep, which is all the more reason I got to get a good night's sleep tonight because tonight, tomorrow is going to be a late one, and every night after that that we play. So, I did put a couple soft earned dollars on the bolts uh, in game three or four of the previous round, so I got pretty good odds on them. So if they if they go, I'll uh, win a little soft earned dollars. I'll be happy about that. Might even get a bolts shirt. Uh, but enough of the hockey talk. Let's uh, let's go ahead. That's how we start off track talk. This yes, week, we, we got NASCAR. We're going to go ahead and hit the trucks. Uh, the trucks and the Cup Series were at Sonoma this weekend. So I just realized the Xfinity Series didn't race last weekend, and they don't race this weekend, so they have two straight weeks off? Correct, yep. Oh, okay, all right. Yep. Um, yeah, so the truck, the truck Series, Kyle Busch held off Zane Smith in a frantic two-lap push to finish at Sonoma. Uh, to earn his first NASCAR Camping World Truck Series victory of the year, extending his record career total total total, total. to 62 series victories and a streak of 10 consecutive years with at least one series victory win. Matt, is Kyle Busch the greatest truck driver of all time? He's the greatest NASCAR driver of all time. Ooh, wow. Okay. Okay. That's that's being that's being very chesty. I like it. Overall, he, he's, the, he's the greatest of all time, better than... You know, it's going to be hard. It's hard to argue because of the different generations. Very. And you can't, you can't argue championships anymore because championships are made up now. Um, like it, points and whose, lines, whose line is it anyways? Exactly. That's, yeah, <laughs> you're, you're trying to tell me that the, the greatest stand-up comedian of all time uh, is, is so because he was good on America's America's got uh, whose line is it anyway? Where the America's got up. lines and the championships don't matter. That's where we are today. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so I think I think looking. I think once Kyle Busch hangs it up for good and it's all said and done, he will be in the conversation, and there will be a solid argument to be made that he is the greatest NASCAR driver of all time. And okay. I'm not I'm not shy of that saying that out loud. I, I don't I don't think you're wrong in that statement. I think it's an opinion, uh, and I think it's a very good it will one. Be, it, it will be very opinion based. Well, um, and people hate Kyle argument. Busch, so yes. uh, you yep. know that's that's going to come into play. I think I think Jimmy Johnson has a stake in that fight as well. Um, I, I'm going to tell you who the most talented driver I ever saw. I don't, I don't know if he's the best NASCAR driver, but I can tell you the most talented driver I ever saw in multiple disciplines in motorsport was smoke. It was Tony Stewart. Uh, the fact that he could get into just about anything with an engine and compete in it was was pretty crazy. He was the most talented driver I ever saw. I, I loved Earnhardt, huge Earnhardt fan growing up, um, but I don't, I don't know if Earnhardt could do what Smoke did and some of the open wheel stuff that uh, that Tony Stewart did. He was uh, he was really good. 
Yeah, and he's still racing today with his little dirt midgets and all that stuff going on. Owns, and he owns a yeah. owns a um a drag car team, yep. right? Tony Stewart yeah. Racing has a drag uh, drag racing NHRA funny car and top fuel program. So this is going way off the rails. But do you think there's any way we could get Andretti and Tony Stewart to team together to make an F1 team? No, because Stewart's not going to uh, go up against Gene Haas, his business partner in NASCAR in Formula One. That would well, that would be a rocky he might, situation. He might not have to. Might not have to for too long. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. I'm not giving up on Haas yet. Although my prediction that they were going to win their first race this weekend at Baku didn't did, go real well. Didn't. It was close. It was real close. Just needed about 18 DNFs. <laughs> you almost got it. If, if there were we 17 were right there. more Ferrari power units, you'd have had it. We were right there. Anyway, to the we'll, get to that. We'll, yeah. we'll get to the Formula One stuff. Back to the truck race. Bush led a race best 45 of 75 laps in the DoorDash 250 at the 1.99, why not just make it two mile road course because in California? Why makes it country. unique? It's yeah, I special. Guess. It's that's uh, 1.99. It's not a, it's not two. We measured it with a uh, with a ruler. Um, he had to beat young driver Smith, who leads the series with three wins in 2022. Matt, I watched this entire race. It and it had its moments here and there, but overall, it was sort of a lackluster race i was excited because kyle bush was leading it um and you've kind of made me a kyle bush fan over the past couple of months uh, I, I never used to pull for the guy but i do now and i believe this was his final truck race of the year that he's gonna be yes. in i think yep. yeah yep um so I, I i like to see streaks i like to see dynasties and kyle bush winning one race in 10 consecutive years is a feat that's amazing so i was really pulling for him to get the victory this week and, and he did he pulled it off yeah, I mean that's pretty much any time Kyle Busch is in the Truck Series, uh, he's going to, if not win, compete. Um, I got to watch him race the Truck Series in Charlotte, where I, uh, I think he had a pit road penalty uh, or a speeding penalty that that relegated him to the back, and and he just never quite made it back up front. Uh, but I just anytime he gets in the truck. He, it's uh, it's almost a foregone conclusion that he's at least going to play a factor in the outcome. And uh, Ty Majeski, who won the opening stage of the race on Sunday, or the race this weekend, finished third, followed by Ross Chastain and Bush's teammate Chandler Smith. Uh, so that was the top five there. Uh, in my opinion, uh, do they do driver of the day for NASCAR like they do for F1? And if they, they don't, do they need to fix no. that. They need to fix yeah. that, man. I, I love that little thing in F1. I think it's, I think it's a cool little feature to have if i had a driver of the day it would have been daniel suarez <laughs> funny enough yeah, both yeah. days uh he replaced injured driver carson hosevar and the fact that carson hosevar a was even at the racetrack and b could even drive his truck was a feat in and of itself not only did he qualify on pole but then he crashed his truck on the in lap had to move to the very back of the field and then raced i believe 10 or 11 laps moving up positions every single lap with a broken leg man he was eventually replaced by daniel suarez but how in the world do you drive a truck with a broken leg on a road course yeah i'm not sure uh, i mean i guess the only comparable uh situation that immediately comes to my head is i believe dale earnhardt broke a either a shoulder or a sternum um or a, a rib or two uh, in a crash 
one weekend in NASCAR and qualified Watkins Glen on the pole the following weekend. Uh, he didn't absolutely kill his car in the cooldown lap. Uh, <laughs> um, so, so most of ours got a ways to go to match Earnhardt. Um, but, but as far as talking points go, it's, it's a unique situation that I know has only happened one time before a driver has shown up to a road course injured from the previous week and put it on pole. Um, a familiar story if you're an Earnhardt fan, but, uh, it has, so I guess I to say it has been done before, but certainly, um, uh, a unique situation and a cool one. A gutty situation too. I hear a lot of people say that, uh, that that racing drivers aren't athletes and and i've always argued against that because i will physically fight someone who says that to my yeah i've i've always argued against that i think it's a a stupid hot take um and this shows it i mean you can't get dude if i twist my ankle i'm not walking on that thing for like an easy three or four days much less a a busted leg going out there and driving a truck a broken a broken tibia (laughs) <laughs> dude a broken tibia if i broke my tibia when he did it at the racetrack that was a week yeah. and a half ago i would still yeah. be in my bed crying and having people yeah. wait on me hand and yeah foot. we're all milk and workers comp for as long as we can get it 100 percent. and that dude's out there putting his truck on pole uh completed 11 laps good for him but daniel suarez the, the fight that he had in that truck i mean they were down two laps because of the driver swap that they had to do on uh, on pit road on lap eleven, and then lost two laps, and he came back, and I believe he finished uh, sixth. Uh, yeah, he finished in sixth. Yeah, that was amazing. I mean, that was just an amazing drive, and a little bit of foreshadowing, honestly, for what was going to happen in the Cup Series. Yep. And uh, Rose earned a series best eighth stage win, and holds on to the championship lead by a mere five points over Chandler Smith. Matt, did you get to watch uh, much of this race? No, I didn't watch any of it. Uh, I'm gonna give it. I'm gonna give it like a six and a half out of ten. It it wasn't. It wasn't great. It wasn't terrible. It was a just kind of middle of the road. One of those races you'll probably forget about. Hell, I already forgot about it. That's why I wrote these notes down yesterday <laughs> on Monday, <laughs> literally right after. Um, yeah. It, it wasn't bad. wasn't good. And oh man, Joseph Martinez just narrowly missed the goal. Um, but it, it was what it was. It was nice to see yeah, Kyle Busch win. Now we move on to the Cup Series race, Matt. Daniel Suarez. I did watch this one. Wow, man, makes history. He is the first ever born Mexican driver to win a Cup Series race. He led 47 in the 110 laps at Sonoma. Trackhouse Racing seems to be doing a lot right right now. Yeah, I I I will give props to Trackhouse Racing. Their program is on the upswing. Ever I, I talked about it. I think last week, the only thing I don't like about that program is their Chevys. Um, but that's a personal uh, a gripe and not a professional one. Professionally, they are they are just trending through the roof right now. Justin Marks and Pitbull, uh, to whatever extent Pitbull is actually involved, uh, certainly have something special on their hands. This team could be really 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 good I mean they're already really really good but they're so young you don't know if this is a flash in the pan yet but I'm very excited to see this team's future with that said I want to move specifically away from Trackhouse and give credit to Daniel Suarez because Daniel has been doing this for this in the sport for a long time he's had been bounced around by a couple of teams that gave up on him mine included uh, uh, and and it's ne- it's never been a question to me 
whether or not he had the talent to win. It was just a matter of when it was going to happen for him. He'd had some tough breaks and some close calls a couple of times. It was it was only a matter of time, and I, it's long overdue, and I'm so happy that he finally was able to get it done. Um, on a road course, no less, in California with a lot of his fans there, and there was, a, I mean, that that every time he went up in turn one and that pocket of Daniel's Amigos fans were going nuts. That, <laughs> that was, was just awesome. so cool to see. That man. was really just cool. So much fun that the, they got to go there and experience that. I'm just so happy. Like I love Daniel. I absolutely loved working with Daniel. I would do it again in a heartbeat. If I could have him back, I didn't like that. I don't, I still to this day don't like the situation he was put in in SHR because I think he was set up by the organization um not going to go into details on that i am still employed there and would like to remain so but i i mean not truly for, not for long dude you, you got to become the fabricator for uh, a track talk the truck you know our truck team so well, well we got to get ink on paper first um uh, and then we'll talk <laughs> we'll talk we'll see what you pay versus what a uh, nascar championship winning cup team pays and i can give you a hearty I'll handshake a, i'll make a decision <laughs> Uh, but uh no but but i loved working with daniel and i'm extremely happy for daniel it was only a matter of time long overdue and i'm just if it couldn't be one of my cars and it almost was i think spoiler alert i think the old man was pretty close to getting himself he wasn't far off he wasn't far off i think he had the speed i was came down to that last pit stop and i don't know what happened on it something went catastrophically wrong uh, and that they imploded and went on the money stop or as Tony Stewart called it my our own owner on the broadcast called it the not money stop <laughs> so oh my God. Uh, you know, yeah you get called out by your team owner on national television it's, you've had a bad day but those guys not I'm not going to take a dig at them enough people have already done that on the internet they work hard it's not easy to do you couldn't do it better than them so shut up <laughs> and um, that they they'll get it figured out but but yeah it just sucks that that it came we haven't had the speed much this year so it sucks that the day that we do have the speed and i think obviously suarez i think had the long run speed there but i think if harvick could have got in front of suarez maybe suarez gets in his own head there about you know this guy is a you know 50 something race winner and then they've been doing this forever he knows what he's doing how am i going to get around him and, and maybe Suarez is either overly aggressive and, and burns his stuff up or or he just kind of, um, you know, he's, he's not ready for the mental fight with Harvick because Harvick will mentally wear you down, one of his strongest attributes. Unfortunately, we never got to see the setup uh, there at the end um, with the bad pit stop. So with that, I think the Chris Buescher made a good run of it, but clearly by the end of that, I think it, Suarez wound up winning by like seven seconds. Uh, Busher had a chance early. Suarez had long run speed and the lead with the clean air. Suarez drove away with it. and I mean, just awesome for Daniel. Yeah, you could tell how liked he was in the pit box or the pit lane by the amount of drivers that came up and congratulated him after the race. I mean, they're still on the they're on the cool down lap and they're they're running around Sonoma and he's he's you know almost crying into the headset waving out there and i mean every single car that was on track came by gave him a thumbs up gave him a wave something like that i mean there was not one car that drove past him and didn't do something so you could you could really tell that that everybody at that track was was pretty excited for daniel suarez to win 
with that win in his 195th Cup Series start, Suarez becomes the fifth different driver not born in the United States to win in the Premier Series, joining Marcus Ambrose from Australia, Juan Pablo Montoya from Colombia, Earl Ross from Canada, and Mario Andretti from Italy. Not on that list, Matt, is Alan Kowicki because he was from Wisconsin and my entire life is a lie. <laughs> Where did you think Alan Kowicki was from? I thought he was from Poland. Well, he's Polish. He's not from Poland. Dude, I didn't know that until I think we mentioned this a couple like a couple podcasts ago that Alan Kowicki was born in Wisconsin. And like I it was that that literally shocked me. I always thought Alan Kowicki was born and raised in Poland. When I found no. out he was born and raised in Wisconsin, I was completely shocked. Yeah, no, he was he's like the original transplant that he was he was the Yankee who invaded the South and started beating these these good old boys at their own game. Um yeah, no, Kowicki's story is infamous, and Wisconsin is just as much a part of of his legacy, you know, as as him himself, Hooters is, and the number seven. Like, that's all. Um, it's 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 an awesome story. Um, but yeah, from straight out of Wisconsin, I think he's buried there, if I'm not mistaken. Next, next you're gonna tell me uh, Michael Jordan didn't actually have the flu in that finals game in the '90s. I mean, that was. Uh, I won't. I won't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Suarez gave, like we said before, uh, Suarez gave just one of the most emotional post-race speeches I, I think I've ever heard from anybody in any of the NASCAR series. And I don't, you know, I don't have a rooting interest in NASCAR. I, I, I pull for Stuart Haas just because, you know, you're a Stuart Haas racing employee, and I, I, you know, I kind of, you know, if, if you win, I win. We're, uh, you know, we podcast together. Team effort here. Uh, but I, I don't have a dog in the fight, but when Suarez won and he got on the mic and started talking post-race, man, I was I was so happy for him, man. I, I like, got choked up and almost got tears. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, yeah no, easy to do. To see his, to see his family there and his friends there, I, man, it was, to see how much that meant to him, that was, that was amazing. And if nobody has seen his post-race uh, p- press conference or, or interview, please go find it. Go to, go to YouTube and just type it in, Daniel Suarez, and you'll find it. It's great. It's only it's only about four and a half five minutes long maybe, um, but there's a lot of raw emotion there. I, it's great. It's fantastic. And yeah, I couldn't be more happy. Yeah, same. I mean, we're talking about a guy who who moved to this country and could not speak English, just for a chance to be a race car driver. I mean, that he he walked away from everything he's ever known in his life to take a chance to be something. And I mean, it. it if that's not the American dream, I don't know. Like, I don't know what is. Uh, you know, all of our ancestors came to this country at one point or another with their heart set on making themselves something, and that's what Daniel Suarez did in his lifetime. Made that conscious decision, and it it culminated for him on Sunday. He is forever a NASCAR Cup Series winner, and deservedly so. And that proves something that I've been saying for a long time. The American dream, despite what you see on social media or media or hear from people, the American dream is still alive and well. You just got to work for it. Not a lot of people want to do that nowadays. Very uh, much so. A lot of people want to hand it to them. Uh, the top here, four here. finishers on the top four finishers before we get too political. Uh, the top <laughs> four, the top four finishers, drivers, uh, the top four finishing drivers. I'm going to get that sentence right one of these days. Uh, we're all looking for their first win of the series. Front row, front row Motorsports driver Michael McDowell finished third, followed by Stuart Haas Racing's Kevin Harvick in fourth. Chase Elliott salvaged a really disappointing day and saw him get multiple penalties. 
ended up finishing eighth. Uh, I think he had two or three penalties um, working outside of his pit box, I believe, in the car. And then his tire came off one time when he came out of the pit road. Those were two separate incidents. That was Kyle uh, Larson. Kyle Larson, sorry, not Chase Elliott. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I get those. I get those two mixed up literally constantly. I mean, every single race, I get Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott mixed up. No idea why. Their names aren't even close. Numbers aren't close. But I get them mixed up constantly. Uh, but he did finish in eighth place finish. So good for him. Cup Series, Matt. What would you uh, What would you give this race out of ten? I'm going to give it a 8 out of 10. Yeah, I'm going to give the racing, just on pure racing, probably a 6 or a 7 out of 10. Um, but the fact that Suarez won it and just all the emotion at the end really bumps it up to probably around the 9 for me. Uh, because that was that was pretty cool to see. I, I enjoyed that quite a bit. And uh, I'm trying to think. That's about, uh, that's about it. That's about all we have for, for Sonoma. That seemed like it went by really fast. That race did. That seemed like yeah. it zipped by. Yeah, it's not a long race. Uh, let's move on to IndyCar. They were at Road America this weekend. Joseph Newgarden overcame a few late race restarts to bring home the victory and secured a million-dollar payday. He yes, gets sir. the million-dollar bonus. About it. We talked yep. about it last week. We spoke it into existence. Joseph Newgarden was the first driver on the series to win at an oval, a street race, and a road course million-dollar bonus, man. Yep, yep. And that's just what Team Penske needs, more money. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't, they don't have enough of that. Uh, the race saw a lot of action in the first ten laps and, like, the final eight laps. Jimmy Johnson spun on the opening corner of the opening lap, spun into the gravel, uh, bringing the first caution of the day. And Elio Castroneves spun on a restart on the very last corner when you're coming onto the uh, the start straight. Yeah, Canada uh, to, Corner. Yeah, not yeah. Canada Corner. Yeah, no, Canada Corner is the the one at the end of the first straightaway, the second straightaway. Oh yeah. my goodness, we sound like the, idiots this to was... people that don't know with the. I know which corner you're talking about. <laughs> if you know, are, are you if, gonna Are you gonna tell me people that listen to this po- podcast don't know what the corner of Scari is? There you go, yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, Elio Castroneves spun on the restart, bringing out the final caution. Uh, Indy 500 winner Marcus Erickson used the final restart to fly past Alexander Rossi for third. Uh, Rossi held the third position from a late-charging Grosjean, who finished fourth, and Colton Herta finished fifth. Matt, did you get to catch any of this IndyCar race this weekend? Uh, I caught the tail end of it. Yeah, I got home from church a little bit late after we went grocery shopping, but I was able to catch about, probably the latter half of it. Now, I mean, I, I had it on. I was making lunch, trying to get the boys down, um, getting ready for the NASCAR race. But, yeah, I caught the tail end of it. Uh, how about our boy Grosjean? That's a, well, let's that's go. a pretty, pretty sporty finish for him. Top four, almost got a podium. Uh, looked like he was going to challenge from that third spot yeah, for Rossi. I really, I, thought he was gonna, for. I really thought he was going to steal it from him. Uh, but coming home fourth, not bad at all. Respectable. The, the, fir- the first ten laps in the last eight were really, really entertaining. But everything in the middle was sort of boring, man. It was it was almost like a follow-the-leader type deal. I was kind of disappointed in that. Yeah, I, uh, I mean, it. honestly, my opinion is that's just racing and that happens sometimes. Um but, but, yeah, not too out of the ordinary for IndyCar at Road America specifically. I'm not sure if it's the kind of package they run there or what, but 
but that seems to be the case more often than not when they go there. Yeah, that was a, that was a little disappointed. Marcus Erickson still leads the points championship with Will Power and Joseph Newgarden in second and third. Newgarden looks strong. Three wins in the season. Yeah, he might he might be my favorite to win the championship right now, yeah, just because yeah. of how he's, good he's no, looked. No, I I think it's pretty clear cut at this point. I early in the season I thought it was going to be Scott McLaughlin. The way his season started, I thought he was the clearly the best car at Penske, uh, and by far the best car in IndyCar. And that power balance has shifted quite dramatically. Um, Newgarden is, I mean, yeah, Newgarden is on top of the world right now, and uh, McLaughlin is struggling. Uh, Patty Ward is fourth. Alex Pelot's fifth. Scott Dixon. Scott Dixon is sixth. So if you're keeping count at home, that's two Penske's, three Chip Ganassi's, and one Arrow McLaren in the top six of the points. They have this weekend off. Uh, they will not race again until July Fourth weekend uh, at the Mid Ohio Honda Indy 200. I've never been up to that to that racetrack. Is that is it a very nice racetrack, Matt? Do you know? Yeah, the, so Mid Ohio is a privately owned facility, and it is very well kept, very well maintained, very fan friendly, kind of like uh, Alabama is, uh, oh, Birmingham, okay. um, kind of almost almost exactly the same scenario, uh, same vibe, same atmosphere. Uh, produces some really good racing. NASCAR and IndyCar both go there, and the uh, IMSA cars. The IMSA cars, the the sports car series, may be there the same weekend. Um, as IndyCar. I'm not sure we'll have to check the schedule on that, but those guys deserve some weeks off. They have been going, they go to Indy the very first weekend in May. Those teams fly out. They do the Indy GP race the next weekend. They never come home. They stay straight through the month of May at Indy. They come straight back home the, the day after Memorial Day. I called my buddy that I was in the Army with uh, on Memorial Day to see if he wanted to get lunch. And he had, he was still working. Now they had raced, they had been in Indy for a month and raced the day before. It is a national holiday and I call him up and he is working on Indy cars. They are immediately straight back out to Detroit, straight back home, and then straight to Wisconsin for Road America. Those guys have been going nonstop for six, five or six straight weeks um, being gone from home. So if anybody needs a weekend off, it's those guys, and it's well-deserved by them. I cannot believe the hoops they jump through this time of year in that series. It's almost stupid. Hey, you know what they say, best never rest. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I know some guys that are wore out there. So. <laughs> yeah, they've been pretty much burning it on both ends since the start of May, like a month and a half. It seems like IndyCar has gone full bore. Um, that yeah, that Mid Ohio Sports Car Course. It's it's right outside of Mansfield, in Ohio. I I never knew that. I, I I don't know why I've never been up there. Hell, it's only like an hour from Columbus. I gotta get. I have to go up there next time I'm in Columbus. Well, I was about to say if um, if you ever if you decide to make that trip, I can get you the hookup um, through Penske uh, for some pit passes and everything. So uh, yeah, if you've I will, got uh, if you've got a place to stay. Uh, and can arrange the rest of it, I can hook you up with the race. Just let me know. Yeah, it is exactly one hour and 18 minutes from the front porch of my um, of my aunt's house up in up in Powell, Ohio. That's okay. pretty cool, well, yeah. I'll, the next the next time they're there next year, I'll have, to, I'll have to plan this out a little bit better. I might go up for that. Yeah. For that. That'd be okay. fun. Okay, well, I might join you. If we got a year to plan this, we might, we might can do this. Because my buddy's been 
uh, he's wanted me to come watch them hang out with them during a race for a while now and they just don't race anywhere near her. The closest race to North Carolina is Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama, Indianapolis, or Mid-Ohio. And I think all of those are just ridiculously far for one race. Yeah, it's, uh, not, very, it's not very close for you. No, none of them. I like, it doesn't make any sense. But, I mean, I guess they're based in Indy. They're not based in Charlotte. Penske is the only IndyCar team here, so... And if you um, want to make that trip, you'll have free room and board as well. So, Well, that's what I'm saying. If we got a year to plan, maybe we'll do that off the air <laughs> so people don't know where to find us. Well, you know, we'll give you the address and you can come take a picture of your local celebrity, us. By then, by then we'll have millions of fans following us everywhere. Yep. Uh, let's switch over to the F1 race. Max Verstappen wins in Baku. Uh, for what was a pretty easy drive, honestly. Um, I yeah. thought the I thought the Ferraris were going to compete, but they decided to explode. Yep. And uh, Checo Perez looked like he had a strong car, but the team told him not to fight with Max Verstappen. Yeah. So sort of a boring race, honestly, which is weird because Baku is usually uh, we pretty... yeah we talked about it last week. It was just going to be calamity. Puts on yeah. a good show. And uh, always, always, yeah, it we... always does. It and, uh. It, it let us down. Yeah, no. I, I mean I was, that's fine. It's it's okay. It's a race. It's not a it's not a show. We're not a and, circus. And, We're not dancing monkeys. We're we say competing. we say it wasn't wasn't terribly entertaining. It was there was a lot of stuff that happened in it. Uh, the, yeah. Every single Ferrari engine decided just to blow up. Um, yep. Weirdest thing. Uh, two two for both the Ferraris went out with a DNF. Uh, one Alfa Romeo and one Haas. Um, so I know Mick Schumacher was in the top three of Ferraris running left in the race. So you get, I mean, you take small that wins right for there. something right there. Yeah, you go. Yes. Uh, but, but like I said earlier, it, it, Ferrari looked fine, but they never looked like they were going to keep up with Red Bull's race pace. Uh, and then they blew up and they obviously didn't Checo looked like he had a strong car, but couldn't match the pace of max, especially when he just sort of let max glide by. Uh, George Russell, with another sneaky podium, is doing wonders in what we thought wasn't going to be a competitive Merc most of the year. George Russell has been one of the most consistent drivers on the grid week in and week out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's nothing to be said about him other than than he's been there and relevant. Um, I'd be interesting to see kind of the law of averages and how that works out for him towards the end of the year. If we can get some – if maybe he starts – getting a little bit more aggressive or a little bit more punchy up there uh, just but i think right now he's still kind of adjusting to being up there uh and, and i think right for right now consistency is all that they that team's looking for and i think we saw glimpses of what he could be at bahrain last year when he filled in for lewis hamilton yep, when he had yeah absolutely COVID. and that's when that's when everybody knew that he was getting that that drive and, and this and this season has kind of proved that he wasn't a flash in the pan and they did make the right decision going away from Valtteri and, and going to George Russell, who has outperformed Lewis at every single track. I mean, yeah. Yeah. it's it's pretty easy to say right now George Russell is driving that car way better than Lewis Hamilton is. I don't, I don't know how different the two cars are from, you know, the specialization that Lewis Hamilton wants on some stuff, but George is getting more out of that car than Lewis is right now. And that's pretty clear. Lewis Hamilton looked absolutely battered after the race and was complaining about back pain because of the porpoising. Matt, I, I want your I want your opinion on this. I've heard a lot of people complaining to the FIA that they have to do something about the porpoising issue. Does that fall with the FIA or should that fall with the individual teams? No, I think that falls squarely on the individual teams. I don't that, think that's what I was thinking as well. There's no 
it's not like a stock car where all the cars are exactly the same and they have to fit certain it's not a design flaw like nascar designed all now they worked with ford toyota and chevy but they designed how the the car everything but the body is going to look and so if that was happening in nascar you could say oh yeah this is a flaw design on nascar with mercedes and f1 it's it's completely the opposite. It's entirely Mercedes. They design their own car. They're given certain spe- specifications. Excuse me, I'll get that word right. And, <laughs> but otherwise, it's completely on the manufacturer and up to their discretion. So this issue is squarely on their shoulders. Um, and I'm a, th- I'm a thousand percent with you. Absolutely yeah. a thousand percent with you. I've, I've heard people complain since the Baku Grand Prix that the FIA needs to do something about porpoising, and they don't. That's, that's the individual car manufacturers yep. they need to do something about the porpoising uh, because you don't see many of the other cars porpoising as bad as the Merc and you certainly don't see any of them getting out with the back pain that Lewis Hamilton did and you didn't see George Russell now George Russell is quite a bit younger than Lewis but you still didn't see him complain and and you know hunched over like an old man about the porpoising issues with his back at the Baku so I wonder what the difference is between Hamiltons and Russells, or if there was any difference in Russell, just handled it better. It's kind of interesting to see where that's going to be. Toto Wolff even said that he's not sure if if Lewis Hamilton is going to be able to race in Canada because of the short turnaround and because of the damage he did on his spine. So, um, I would be, guarantee you, Lewis Hamilton races this weekend. I would be shocked if he didn't. I'd be shocked if he didn't race up into Canada. Um, one of the other things that's been floating around in the rumor mill is that this is going to be Nicholas Latifi's last race. They're kind of giving him one last hurrah at his home Grand Prix. Uh, And then after he races this race, they will let him go and bring in Pietro Fittipaldi to race the rest of the season in that seat. That will be pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I am excited about that, if that's true. There's rumors abound in F1 every single week. There is, but usually when there's smoke, there's fire. Um, Even if they're not always completely accurate, they're usually... um, there's well, it's just like the there. George Russell Valtteri Bottas stuff last yeah, year. Yeah, exactly, I mean, exactly yeah. like that. There were yep. rumors that that was going to happen, and and here we are today. Uh, this weekend, like we said, they are in Canada on Friday. We have oh geez, we have practice. We have FP one and FP two at fourteen hundred. Is that two p.m.? That is two p.m. Good job. Okay, two p.m. Eastern and seventeen hundred, which is five p.m. Correct. Sweet. I am learning. And then on Saturday, we have FP3 at 1 p.m. And then qualifying at 4 p.m. This is going to throw off my entire weekend. I hate when this happens. Uh, And then the race on Sunday is at 2 p.m. Matt, I hate when they are on the Eastern time zone or they are in North America, South America, and close to our time zone. My body is so used to waking up at like 6, 7 a.m., getting a coffee and sitting down and watching F1 to start off my day on on Saturdays and Sundays. I hate when they race in the afternoon. Uh, I like it, it, especially with NASCAR off this weekend. It gives me something to watch on Sunday afternoon. I'm sure I'll be watching the Braves, assuming we're playing normally. We are actually, and I don't. Oh, know we are. This. We are yeah. playing, Matt. We have a we have a three or four game set with the Cubs coming up. They yeah, are yeah. all they yeah. are all two twenty starts. So we are getting four straight uh-huh. day games at Wrigley Field. Okay, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> uh, that's kind of odd, but. Um, it's all day right. it's day games at Wrigley Field are undefeated. Yes, that I've been to one, had the privilege of, oh, of doing I'm that. Jealous. Yes, I have been to Wrigley Field for a Braves Cubs game. 
the, sat in the bleachers in the outfield. The fans were fantastic. They treated us like royalty. One even bought me a beer. That's um, awesome. Yeah, David Ross, I think, hit a grand slam against the Braves. Um, that's when he was playing for it. That was the year they won the World Series, so what, 16? Um, sure. So, yeah, in, in years that I go to Wrigley Field, the Cubs are undefeated in the World Series. I'm surprised they haven't bought you, like, tickets every single year yeah. with that. And that going I on. would specifically not go just to tank them on purpose. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Matt, back let's... to racing. Let's give let's give our picks for the Canadian Grand Prix, and then we're gonna uh, circle back to NASCAR because I forgot to give the uh, Truck Series schedule for this weekend. So who do you got this weekend up in Canada? Uh, look, I'm gonna strike while the iron's hot. Give me give me Verstappen to stretch the lead. I don't I, trust the Ferraris right now. I think I'm gonna take Checo. I think okay. Checo has a lot to prove, and I think uh, the the last the Monaco Grand Prix win. I think that gave him a lot of confidence. He raced really well at Baku, but you could tell he just didn't have the pace for stopping. Give me, give me Checo. Yeah. I think Checo wins right. this. So he's yep. going to ignore team orders this week. I'd love it. Because you know I'd they're going to gonna tell that. him they're going to tell him to give up the spot. And oh, 100 percent. So if you're picking Checo, he's not going to do it. I'm picking Checo he's because say that his radio's not working. You can't understand. It, it, it's about time for a Red Bull DNF, and it seems to be for stopping when it happens. So yeah, well, I'm gonna, yeah, I'm you're take, right. Yeah, I'm gonna take Checo. I'm gonna take Checo. Let's uh, let's circle back to NASCAR, Matt. The trucks are the only ones racing this weekend. Xfinity and the Cup Series think it's fine to take a week off. It's ridiculous. They all, you all only race 11 months out of the year, dude. I mean, come on. Yeah, no, we don't. We totally don't need this. Uh, this is our <laughs> bye week. We totally, uh, totally don't need it. Friday night, first practice is at 7:05 for the trucks. Uh, and the 9:02 second practice. It's not on TV. It's not on streaming anywhere. It's not on the radio. Um, so I'm not even really sure why it's on the schedule. Uh, I guess you'll get the times <laughs> online. Uh, Saturday, the trucks are in Knoxville this weekend. Uh, 7 p.m. qualifying heat on FS1 Saturday night. And then 9 p.m. Jesus, that's late. The Clean Harbors 150 on FS1. Matt, who do you got in this race? Uh, I have no idea. And I'll tell you why I have no idea. Because one thing that you did not mention, and I'm not even sure if you know or not, Knoxville is a dirt track. Yes, so, I did know that. Okay. All yeah. right. All right. I didn't want to, I'm not trying to call you out or anything. I just didn't mention it in the lead up. Uh, this is their weekend on dirt. I guess. No, they raced. Yeah, the they Bristol raced at Bristol. Yeah. yeah. So, okay. Well, forget that. Who won the Bristol dirt race? Give me them. Um, That was <laughs> Steve Buscemi. I'm there we go. Sure. There yeah. we go. Uh, I guess uh, give me Ty Majeski. I'm gonna take Ty Majeski. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, give me any of the KBM trucks. I don't know. <laughs> give me give me anybody but Carson Hosevar. Take he'll, the I'm taking the field. Himself. Taking the KBM yeah. field. I there like you go. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, you got anything else to add this week, man? No, I appreciate your time. I appreciate everybody that listens, and uh, yeah, go Bolts. Oh, hey, did you did you watch any uh, Lamar this weekend? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I was in and out um, through the through the night. Uh, I specifically made sure to watch during the sunset hours because if you've never watched a ra- an endurance race uh, like at the Nurburgring or Le Mans or Spa when it's sunset, it just doesn't get better than that. Daytona, same thing. Seabrook, gorgeous, just gorgeous. Uh, yeah, it just it it is it is heaven sent um, to watch those sunsets. Uh, I, I saw. I, ironically, I saw both 
uh, Corvettes come out of the race while I was watching, while I was flipping. <laughs> so I think I may have been a bad omen for those guys. Uh, I saw but, the one but, that got hit on the back stretch. It was just yeah, going on the balls on straight. Car? Yeah, yeah it just, just got obliterated. The yeah. LMP car just cut over. And I'm like, what the hell yeah. is he doing, yeah, man? Yeah, well, he was racing the other LMP. It was kind of a bad setup, but nothing the Corvette did there. No, um, it wasn't his fault. Absolutely got, yeah. not. Sucks for those guys. They, I mean, to go all the way over there and they still care unlike some other manufacturers that i might be loyal to who just don't care i guess um and, uh, and from, from what i'm hearing i believe the next couple of years will be a much more wide open they're they're putting in a new class right for for different gt cars i believe is what they were saying on the broadcast yes yeah, so there there will be a restructure yes um so gt3 cars don't have a class at Le Mans. It is GTB, I mean, I'm sorry, GTE class cars, which is kind of one step up. Um, but to my understanding, there will be a, a GT3 class along with a restructure of the top class where the Toyota hybrids that have won every year for the last gazillion years. They're pretty good. Um, uncontested. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're great. They have no competition. Um, Back when Porsche and Audi ran against them, they never won. And so they're kind of Mickey Mouse wins, if you will, um, by, by Porsche and Audi leaving the sport because, you know, it, it wasn't worth it for them financially. Uh, they, um, it's, it's kind of become stale. And with Ford leaving, there's nobody race against Corvette. Uh, so it's just Ferrari versus Corvette is kind of the only rivalry you have left out on the track. I, it just, it's gotten really stale. And I even posted this on my Facebook on Sunday. There was just nothing engaging to me. And I know, you know, I'm the pot calling the kettle black here, talking about racing is not about your entertainment. Um, but just with with the height of Le Mans for the last couple of years, um, in, the, in the late 2020 i mean sorry the, the late 20 teens and early 2020s um it it's just kind of flat at the moment and there's a lot of hype to, towards the future and i guess that's that's exactly it is they're kind of in a transition period where a lot of manufacturers and teams have left and a lot are planning on coming and so right now we're just kind of in this stale period of 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 nothing really mattered. Like the Toyotas were going to win the Le Mans just by showing up. It was a foregone conclusion. And, and they, I mean, they dominated. I don't even know if another car, you know, they qualified on pole. I don't know if another car led a single lap in the whole 24 hours. I don't think it did. And, and I think Toyota yeah. won by, uh, they won by a couple laps, I think. Or yeah. so, it was well, something and, and absurd. That's not, that's not uncommon. A couple lap victory over the course of 24 hours, you've got everything that comes your way. Uh, but but nobody was nobody even had a chance. I mean, no, as long no. as the Toyotas didn't break down, it was a foregone conclusion that they were going to win. And that I mean that's just not fun. Like even in F1, you know, even in the years that Mercedes absolutely dominates, there's still a chance. Like Red Bull and Ferrari are still going to get in the ring and box with them. They may not. They Mercedes may win every race of the year, but it's not for lack of competition from the from the competition. But but literally, there is no one, there is no manufacturer hybrid presence to compete with Toyota at Le Mans. So they're just showing up and and basically taking, you know, just default going wins. through the motions and winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and and 
And I know it matters to them. It's not their fault that they're in this position, that everyone left and they're all that's left and that they still care. It, they should be commended for it. But it's just, to me, it's just not interesting. So I watched it. I watched it because it's still it. Like I, Just like I'll watch Monaco. I don't care if Monaco is the most boring race and there isn't a pass on track. It's Monaco. <laughs> it's Monaco. And, and I'm going to watch Le Mans because it's Le Mans. But I did not stay up through the entire... There have been years where I've watched the entire 24 hours uninterrupted. Holy smokes. Yes. Uh, I've, I've changed my sleep schedule in the week prior to... So that I could be, yeah, you know, I've I've gone all out with Le Mans. Like, I'll probably sh- get pretty close there. to that when they have the NASCAR, uh, when the Cup Series yeah, car see, goes yeah, there. See, yeah, like I said, there's there's tons to be excited about the future. Yeah, and the past has been exciting and it's historic. But this year, it just, uh, man, it wasn't it wasn't good. Like it was, it was just, it didn't matter. It, there was nothing, nothing was not a foregone conclusion. It was just like. It, will the Toyotas survive 24 hours? Spoiler alert, they did. They did. Uh, <laughs> and that's, and, sort, of, that's and that, sort of the same sentiments that the announcers gave. They said, you know, we know this year has been kind of a dud, they said, but the future for Le Mans looks amazingly bright because of the restructured and because yes. of the new manufacturers that are coming in because of the restructure. And they said, don't let this race this year be a representative of what you think Le Mans is going to be in the next yes. five, eight, ten years. They said, we're... They said uh, they personally felt that they are on the precipice of a golden age of Le Mans because of the way that everything is going to be set up for the next 10 to 12 years. Um, so, yeah, they were they were hyping up the next couple of years just like you were, uh, Matt. Just kind of the, yeah. hey, next couple of years could be very, very interesting with the, the cars yeah. and the reworks and all that stuff. So I'll yeah, be excited exactly. to see what they this, do. This wasn't the year to, you know, this isn't if this was your first ever Le Mans, this was a bad one to be first, but like I said, I, I am excited about the future. It's not going to be like this forever. The LMDH program is going to be exciting and new for every. It's new for everyone, new for all the manufacturers. So sorry, we have a live appearance by my German Shepherd on the hey, podcast. Dog. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it's a. Uh, the The future is exciting. This year was not exciting. It just is what it is. It was still. Still the most prestigious race of the year, in my opinion. Well, Matt, that's all I got for this episode of Track Talk, man. You got anything else to add tonight? That's it. That's more All right, enough. dude. Let's uh, let's get out of here. Hopefully, I'll be able to catch a couple more innings of the Braves game. And until I fall asleep, we will see y'all all next week. Same time, same place. <laughs>